Boom, and we are back, people. It is day four, day four of the 65th BFI London Film Festival. And uh, yeah, we have got cool four films for day four. It is a bumper edition. Bumper edition. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We've got some great stuff here, people. So it is time for you to sit back and enjoy. So time to buckle up, people. Okay, people. So let's get it all popping off with a little home invasion situation with a Canadian flick, See For Me. Okay, people. So, um, you may have gone to see this today, or you may have wondered, oh, should I? Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give you a little, little sign on See For Me. Right, this is um, it's a new Canadian piece, and it's the second, I believe it's the second feature film from Randall Okita. Right, it is written by Adam Yolk and Tommy Gushu. It's produced by Matt Code and Christy Neville. Cinematography is Jordan Orman and Jackson Perel. Yeah, Perel. Edited by James Vardwater. Music is Joseph Murray and Ludwigic Voss. It's from Wilding Pictures. And our cast people... As you know, it's got a good cast, right? We have Skylar Davenport. She plays Sophie. Uh, Jessica Parker Kennedy plays Kelly. We've got Laura Vandervoort, who plays Debbie. Kim Coates plays Rico. Uh, Matthew... Um, Guavia is a cab driver, Keaton Kaplan is Cam, Pascal Land Lang Langdow is Ernie, um, Emily Pigford, she plays a police lady, uh, Dep Deputy Brooks, Joe Pingu plays Dave, George. George um, Chick Truff plays Otis. Um, yeah, I think that's our that's our main group of people. Although I will say her mum's doesn't get a mo mention, which is yeah, her mum's doesn't get a mention. That's 
It's a little cold. That is a little cold. But um, the gist of the film is uh, it's this. After a skiing accident that has left her blind, Sophie clings to her independence and makes a living as a house sitter. An income she supplements with a little petty thievery. When her FaceTime, and I'd say a little petty, it, it's not really, right? It's not really. When her FaceTime accomplice refuses to enable her stealing, and I think it's more than a FaceTime, I think it's like a good friend from her skiing days, but again, uh -huh. Um, yeah, he refuses to enable her stealing. Sophie turns to an online app, see for me. That's how she meets Kelly, a gamer girl and former soldier. Initially, Kemi, look, Kelly comes in handy when Sophie accidentally locks herself out. But she proves even more useful when a gang of professional burglars breaks in during the night. There are shades of um, just creepiness up in this, right? But now <laughs> I'm going to, I, I guess the way I'm going to talk about this, you have to understand, right? Because I feel if you made a film about golf and you had someone like using a giant wooden spoon, Right, golfers would just be like, "Yo, what the? You can't do that, right? What What are they doing? That makes no sense." You know what I mean? Or or they were using different sized balls, or just you know what I mean, just stuff that's like ah, makes no sense. You'd be a little bit frustrated, and it wouldn't it wouldn't allow you maybe to inhabit a film as other people might inhabit the film. Now, this film has nothing to do with golf, right? But, as you see, the girl in it, Sophie, she's blind. And Skylar Davenport is actually visually impaired. So, you know, I and even if she wasn't, I don't necessarily have any issue with that. My the the thing that bugged me was just the whole depiction of her her blindness, right? Because I I guess at well the film starts. Let's just say that the film starts and you have a girl pulling down. It's a close up on her eyes, and then we have her like pull down the visor. Then it kind of pulls back. And you you see a girl sitting there. Um, she's packing, and you've got skiing on the TV, right? Um, so I think as she gets up, you realize, oh she, yeah, she's blind, right? And you know she's cr trying to get out of her house, but her mum is just like, hey, what are you doing? Blah blah blah. And you know she she there's this whole dialogue with her and her mum, and it's this whole big thing. But I think just straight out the gate, the way she moves, right? She, she's walking like 
And I, you're going to think this is stupid. She doesn't know what's there, which, yes, she's blind. Well, I mean, I think in this, she says she can see shade, right? But, you know, which this is the thing. When people are often blind, it doesn't necessarily, there's nothing, right? There's not, I think the percentage of people where it's just completely black. I think that's a rare thing. So a lot of times there's a, you know, you might be able to differentiate um, colors or just the, the difference of, oh, there's something dark or there's something light, but you can't actually see the color or, you you know, there's a shade or you can see kind of blurs. You know what I mean? So that's her thing. There's a kind of a, a blur. But so when I say she's walking light, she can't see what's there. Obviously, she can't see what's there. But this is the thing. When you're in your own space, there is a confidence because you know what's there. Now, hey, you definitely bump into things, right? I, I still will bruise the fuck out of myself. Right, and so you forget. This is sometimes you, you know, what I mean? like you get up in the middle of the night, go to use the bathroom, and you've walked into the corner of the bed, and then a, a, a couple of days later, you kind of look down, or you know, it'd be like, "Oh, why's my leg hurt?" And then you realize you've got a huge ass bruise on your leg. You're like, "What the fuck happened? How did that?" Happen? Or the amount of times I have fucked up my feet. Where I, I'm completely, you know, there's no depth perception. So I've, you know, just kicked things hard with like no shoes on. And you're just like, oh, you just like break toenails, you know, bleeding. And it's just crazy. But I know where I place things around the house. So I will walk around a lot freer than when I'm in public. Right, because you don't know what's there, or in your the office, and that's a thing. Because you're telling people, "Yo, can we keep the channels clear? You mean no boxes in the way? Can we just do that? Right, like what? Do whatever else, but can we just keep the channels clear? You know. So it was weird that she's in her own house, and you know she she's doing things in a certain way. So at the beginning, you do wonder what the time frame is. But later on, right, there is a reference to four years. And, you know, if it, if it was at the beginning, she just lost her sight, right? Then you'd be like, yeah, that makes all, all the sense. But four years? It's a weird one. And especially the way her mum is and... She's a cunt. <laughs> Listen, see, Sophie is not nice. She's an irritating asshole. And I've got to say, if I was Kelly, I'd let her die. I'd let her die. I don't care. She ain't likable. But she has a certain attitude of, you know, you've just lost the sight and you, you're frustrated, which, boom. I get, but at that point, at the four-year point, now there's always, there is a frustration with certain things, like there's certain things you can't do, 
or are very difficult. You know, like I, I remember once I went to I went to a few castings, but I couldn't see the teleprompter. And there's a light shining in your face doing stand up. You know, what I mean, the, the, just a light in your face is a killer, right? It just throws you sometimes because you you forget and you get up and there's sort of lights. And it's just like ah, fuck, fuck. So there's certain things that are frustrating for sure, you know. But it's you know, the, the, I just think the way you see her. It's like it's just happened rather than we've got a four-year period here, you know? So I thought that's a little odd, just all of that, all of that. You know, the way she's talking to her mom, her friend, like, and the excuses that she's using. Oh, well, no one's going to submit a blank. You know what I mean? You'd be like, yo, kid, you would have moved on. You would have moved on. You know, in your mind, because you have to. Otherwise, you're going to go fucking insane. But I think out the gate, like, this isn't a, I, I forget what it's classed as. Um, you know, I, I, I'm assuming this is a thriller, right? Um, I, I mean, I'd say it's probably a thriller, but yeah, it's a thriller. Uh, it's not a. Uh, it, it's not like Memento. It, there's not really a depth or a you know hidden meanings or anything like that. It's pretty base level, so you kind of guess really the big plot, the big twist straight away. Like with a certain conversation at the beginning, you'd be like. I guess I know who's going to be behind all of this, you know? But I mean, when her mum says, okay, honey, be safe. It's just like whenever someone says, be safe. Or, um, oh, I should have told them I loved them. You know, whenever someone says something like that in a film, you know there's going to be issues. You know what I mean? You, you know, it's, it's a given. But we we see her at this house, you know, she, she's house-sitting, um, it's in the middle of nowhere, which is a big thing, cell reception, you know, I mean, all of these things, you're like, okay, <laughs> this is going to play a part in this. So um, straight away, you know, certain things go, well, I mean, I would say just, uh, you know, because it's in the, you know, synopsis, when she locks herself out of the house, that made no sense. That made no, no sense because we know this isn't her first house-sitting gig. She, she's been doing this, right? So you'd be like, how you, you, you wouldn't do that. Right, that that's just some stupid, and they've they seen no real reason why she even left the house anyway. But you know, she's locked out, and yeah, you, you know, she's called this girl to help her. Well, I, I will say, downloading an app super quick here, I mean, like, I don't know what app has downloaded that fast. I, I mean, where you have to set things up and all of this, right? There's no 
user checks. There's no, and you think, well, something like that, there would be, there would be, but it's just like big by bog, but we're going, right? Which is just like, okay. But yeah, she's super shitty on the phone. Uh, I mean, it's good that we see Kelly push back. You know what I mean? So that's all good. But even after that first interaction, you would then think it 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 would help going forward. But time and time again, we see her do these dumb things. And you're just like, but you, you wouldn't because you understand your situation. Like, what the fuck, man? So it's all a little frustrating. And I think 10% on a phone, boy, it, it lasts a whole lot longer than you've ever seen a 10% ever last on your motherfucking phone, right? But um, there's there's all of this stuff happen. Um, they do try and twist it up, you know what I mean? Just the whole idea of this story and everything like that. But... I, I, I kind of think that there are problems with, I mean, the portrayal and and then to some of the performances, right? So there's these conversations with the police that are so bait, so bait. Like, if anyone is talking in the way she's talking to the police, the police are like, Oh, fuck. Send the motherfucking cavalry. Right? That's what you would be thinking. Because there is nothing legit. Nothing legit about it. It's insane. Right? Her conversation. Like, then, just the, the robbers. This situation, you'd be like... Again, you see through this conversation. You you see through it. You're just like, just the, the cadence, just every, everything, the way it's delivered. You're just like, yo, what the fuck? I mean, Kim Coates does a great job. Like, his character, at least, there's a little bit more depth in the way he, he, he delivers it and how he speaks with her and changes and switches up and like all of that, right? So that's a bit more believable. But yeah, it's just the way they play is hard to, it's hard to really believe, you know? They're walking around in a glass, kind of a glass house, right? You're walking around in a glass house and there's a lot of open planedness going on in this house, right? So light, you will notice light. And hey, even if lights are off, and especially with lights off, you will see the phone, the phone light, right? There's one thing. If you're talking on the speaker, everyone's going to hear that. Everyone's going to hear it. You know what I mean? It's just like there's no way you can try and hide that, right? We don't have her at any point go, I need to turn this down. Or it's just like to do it in this manner, there's no hiding. You know what I mean? There's just no hiding. 
Like everyone would see like ugh. now there is a kind of interesting because you know Kelly's a gamer. She plays first person shootems. We see her do that. Um, is that POVs or first person PP FP first P, FPS? I don't know. I don't play these games. I don't play video games, man. I used to, but it was weird. It, it, it seemed as the graphics got better, the font on the screen got smaller, right? It's insane. You'd think, you know what I mean? It would have been the other way around. It wasn't. I remember when the PS4, when the PS4 was coming out, I emailed Sony. I was like, yo, um, yeah, I've got a PS2. No, it wasn't be the PS3, right? I've got a PS3 too. Um, I've had a PS1. Um, I really like your machines, but I know you've got a new machine coming out. I was just wondering because I've had some issues with you know the PS2. Like, is there gonna be an option where you could change the font size? And they emailed back going, We won't know any of this until the machine comes out. I was just like, wait, what? How <laughs> was that a thing, you fucks? And yeah, that was me. I was done. I was done with video games. Anyway, that's a tangent, right? So, yeah, she's a first-person shooter. And we we have a scene where, you know, because we have Sophie having to hold a phone so then, you know, Kelly can see through the camera. And so you've got to see she's holding a phone and she's got her arm out. And you can then see, like, a gun in the hand. You know, so it does look like a first-person shooter, you know what I mean? So as a visual, that that works. That's kind of slick. Um, you know, it, I do believe, right? If you don't think about the site stuff, right? If you don't think about, wait, why would she be walking like that? How? Why would she be interacting with her surroundings like that? I think you will enjoy this film a whole lot more, right? And that's what I was talking about with the golf thing at the beginning because I live this shit. I understand this shit. It, it, it Just straight away, I'm just like, yo, what? You know, which then kind of took me out of the film. So I, I, I think if you don't have that issue, you will be able to inhabit this film a whole lot more. Right? I, I think you will enjoy it a whole lot more. Um, like, cinematography is kind of decent, but, you know, it's essentially just inside the house. Sound. I, we have this girl listening to some very weird music. Like, music that you're just like, I don't believe she'd listen to that. Right? It, it was an odd one. It was an odd one. But... You know, I, I do think some of the acting is pretty decent. I thought Kelly was very good. I thought Kelly was good. The whole vet thing seemed a weird tag. Because it only really gets mentioned towards the very end of the film. And doesn't play any part of the film. Right? Now, you could have her be good at what she's doing for Sophie... Because she's a, a video gamer, right? There doesn't need to be, oh, I was a vet. You know, because they don't do anything with that storyline, 
It was just like, oh, I serve now I'm on the desk. And that's it. It doesn't go anymore. So I don't know if there was more that got cut, but the way it is given to us, it's a pointless plot point. It's just a pointless plot point, right? And again, Sophie ain't likable. She ain't likable. We see her do a thing, right? Because I think this is the thing. It's like you're you're showing this girl, and she's a as I say, she's a cunt. She ain't nice, but she's doing this thing, and we're meant to be like, oh, we get it, but she's blind. And you're like, no, no, she's a piece of shit. She's a piece of shit, and the she gets away with. You're just like. What the fuck? What the thing? Because when you see the size of the houses, and you'd be like, I mean, and yes, this is a generalization, but you'd kind of think, hey, money ain't that tough. So, huh? But anyway, people, yeah, it, 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 you know, I think if you want just something. Just a little bit crazy that you could just watch and not really have to think about. I think it will work for you, but don't be expecting anything, you know, deep. <laughs> no, yeah, because you ain't getting it with this, you know. It's kind of, it's a surface level. It's a puddle rather than an ocean. So, Hey, if you couldn't see it this Thursday, it will be showing on Saturday the 9th of October at 20 past 3, right? It's at the Odeon Lux West End, which I do believe is the, the new Odeon Cinema. Well, it's the renovated Odeon Cinema that they turned into a luxury one in Leicester Square. That's what I think this one is. So, yeah, the 9th. At 3.20, you can see uh, see for me if it sounds like it could be for you. And I would like the plot-wise, it's kind of interesting. You know what I mean? It's kind of interesting. You know what I mean? She's using this app. And trust me, hey, I could do it to that like this. You know what I mean? Hey, I, I wouldn't get lost going to a foreign country. Yeah, this would this would be great. But, um, yeah, I don't know, people. I don't know. You watch it, make up your own mind. Let me know what you think. You know what I mean? But, yeah, see for me. Okay, so now, people, it is time for a little family action. Yeah, we're slowing it with some animation and... Uh, the new 20th century piece, Ron Gone Wrong. Okay, people. So, yo, I uh, I did an animated feature today, right? It is a, a, a new piece called Ron's Gone Wrong. Um, yeah, I again. I had one of those stupid moments where I'm in the queue and someone's asked someone else, they're like, yo, what, what film is this one? And it's like, oh, it's an animated one. And I'm like, wait, am I seeing a cartoon? Huh, okay. But uh, as soon as um, 
I I saw the the first thing on the screen. I realized what what the thing was. I was like, oh yes, 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 yes. I I did really want to see that one. Uh, I think the interesting thing about this, right, when you did get the opening credits, it's a, a 20th century film, right? So it's like, oh, interesting, right? Because 20th century is owned by Disney. So I, I think when animated stuff comes from, like, that studio, you would expect Pixar or just Disney. So, yeah, it was definitely like, okay, let's see what this is then, right? Because, you know, is it a case of, oh, the creme la creme is going to be kept for, you know, like, what is it? Is there going to be a tier of quality, you know? But, uh, yeah, I, I thought, oh, this, this is intriguing. So, people, it is... It's a funny one, right? Because there were three directors, right? So we've got Jean-Philippe Vine, Sarah Smith, and Octavio E. Rodriguez. But the weird thing is, right, they've got Octavio E. Rodriguez down as the co-director. I'm a bit like, when there's three, I don't know if you could do it like that. You couldn't say... John, like, directed is John Philip Vine, Sarah Smith, co-directed by. That makes no sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a weird. Anyway, um, it's written by um, Smith. She she co-writes with Peter Bainham. Uh, it's produced by Lara B. and Julie Lockhart. Um... Cinematography is David Pierce and Haley White. It is edited by David Burroughs. Music is Harry Jackman. Um, and yeah, it, it's through, as I said, 20th century animation and locksmith animation. I think, I believe that's where Sarah Smith is the, the uh, CEO, founder, all of that. Um, all of that, and I believe she runs it with Julie Lockhart, Lock Smith. You see, Lock Smith. Boom. Yep, yep, yep. Um. Okay, where did I get to? Oh yes, uh, the cast. Okay, so we have a wealth of uh, talented voice actors and actresses doing their thing. So Zach Galifianakis is Ron. Um, that is the, uh, the B-Bot, Barney's one. Um, Jack Dylan Grazer voices Barney Podowski, a socially awkward middle schooler. Olivia Coleman is Donka, Barney's maternal grandmother. Ed Helms is Graham Podowski, Barney's dad. Justice Smith is Mark, one of the creators of the Bebop, right? And he's the the CEO of Bubble, right? They they kind of, um, yeah, they kind of set it up a bit like you know an Apple type of thing, um, or 
if you remember last year, right, that it was the um it was a Netflix animated film. And I think it was on the Lord of Miller deal. It was um the Mitchells v the world, something like that, right? The Mitchells and the Robot Uprising. But remember, because that one was um all about a, a an app, a friend app, and the CEO. Yeah, so it was a kind of a, a, a similar feel to it. Rob Delaney, who yes, now I read it. I'm like, yes, because I recognize the name, the voice, but I couldn't pick, couldn't picture it for the life of me. I was saying, oh, who is that? I recognize the voice, man. Yes, Rob Delaney is Andrew Morris, the uh the the second in command to Mark, right? The Wozniak to the uh jobs, as it were, but not really. <laughs> not not quite so. Um, we've got uh Savannah Mercedes, one of Barney's classmates. She is voiced by Carly Cantrell. Um, Rich Belcher, another of Barney's classmates, is voiced by Ricardo Hurtado. Um, we've got Stanley Tudman, he's a um he works at the uh the, the bebop factory right uh, and he's voiced by marcus scribner and there is another of the uh the bebop people philip and he's voiced by thomas barbuska okay so um yes oh there you go go right so um yeah the gist of the film right the gist of the film so it's a story of barney a socially awkward middle schooler and ron his new walking talking digitally connected device which is supposed to be his best friend out of the box Ron's hilarious malfunctions set against the backdrop of the social media age launched them into an action-packed journey in which boy and robot come to terms with the wonderful messiness of true friendship. Ah, oh, makes you warm inside, right, people? Makes you warm inside. So, yeah, there you have it, right? So the film opens up um, with Bubble, right? We, we've we got the uh, the big event. And it, it, it's funny because, you know, because of the, the whole pandemic, Apple really changed up their events, right? Usually it was in the auditorium. So they were always good. They were always interesting. But. Now, there's this new level of production, you know, drone shots and, you know, different kind of shoots and locations and everything like that. It's a full production. So with this bubble launch, right, it did kind of remind you of these new Apple launches, as it were. But yeah, so we see a big bubble. 
right? Their headquarters. Again, you know, like the, the new Apple headquarters, which looks so badass, man. Hey, you know what I mean? Hey, you, you whether you like Apple or you don't like Apple, their headquarters looks pretty friggin' sick, right? It looks like one of their uh, habitats in one of those, you know, 80s, 70s, like, sci-fi films or TV shows, right? But, uh, yeah, so we open up with this, and that's the exterior. Then we go inside, and we see Mark, and he's giving a talk. But then it pulls back, and we see, ah, uh, he's practicing, right? He's nervous. He's practicing. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of these people, right, you invent. You're not necessarily a good public speaker. So we then quickly transition. So it goes from the practice straight to now he's on the stage, right? He's on the stage and he's talking. And at the start, right, they, they show that there's a little bit of tension, little bit of tension between Mark and Andrew. Like Mark B. And it's crazy because he is... It's, it's in the live public's, you know, launch. You know, you're giving your spiel and you got some disgruntled mofobia. Actually, I invented that. That was my idea, remember? And it was all of this. But the presentation is for this new B-Bot, right? A, a raffle, a lucky kid from the audience comes on stage and gets to meet the first of its kind. Right, so it's kind of like this egg-shaped thing that opens up. Well, you put your hand on it, right? So, it, you know, it imprints, as it were, and um, opens up, right? It then connects to all of your shit online, right? So it, it would get to, you know, like your your, your social media, your LinkedIn, Right, your your iTunes, just all of this stuff. Probably looking at your your Google history, right, to get an idea of the things you like, you know, your interests, all of that kind of jazz. And yeah, so then it's like, hey, how are you, right? And and it it can change because it's like a blank kind of thing, but it can change. Right, so it could appear to look like whatever. So it appeared to look like this girl's favorite anime character, and so it could do all of that. Right, it could turn into a little scooter. It's a one-stop shop, basically. So you can imagine all the kids now want bebots. They all want bebots. So we have the. Then we cut to the Podowskis. Right, and we see, um, you know, Barney with his, his dad, like his mum has died, he's with his, you know, so it's his dad and his grandmother, and they're a funny Polish family. Have you noticed, right, that Eastern European is kind of the go-to for quirky, funny families, Right, I, it, it's usually Eastern European, sometimes Jewish. Right, that, that that that's how they like to play their kind of quirky, funny families. And you've usually got like 
you know, a goofy grandparent, right? It, it does seem to be that template. But yeah, that's his template, right? So they are happy, right? He's like, he got a nice little setup. The dad, he works a lot. He, he's a bit bumbling, as we see. But he seems happy, but maybe not flush flush on the quiche, you know? But uh, yeah, now everyone has got B-bots. Barney feels a little left out. You know, we see him um, on his scooter, push scooter, you know, you, you know, scooter. Is it scooter? They ask you. Because that's the thing. Because scooters are often like motorbikes, right? But I'm talking about the scooter, which you, you hold the handles and you, you kick to move, right? That's still called a scooter too, right? I think it is. Anyway, we see him on one of those going to school. Everyone else is on their B-bots, having fun, traveling in, doing all these fancy new things. And he feels left out. Feels left out. Now, the interesting thing on this journey, right, there he, he's not paying attention, goes across the road, a van has to quickly slam on its brakes, and it drops something. Drop something. Hey, yes, 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 people. Because the thing it drops is a bebop. So, it's Barney's birthday, right? And everybody's like... You know, he, his parents wanted to throw him a party, but he doesn't really have any friends. Doesn't really have any friends. And, you know, he really wants a B-bot. And, you know, everyone's teasing him, and it's all a bit just rubbish. And he, his dad and his grandmother, at the end of the day, they realize how tough he's having it. So they're like, you know what? Let's go get him, man. Shop shut. What can you do? Broken B-bot, isn't it? In it. Right? And then the hijinks begin. Because it's broken. So it is not working the same as everyone else's. Right. And, and so we get to see him trying to interact with it and get it working. And just all of that jazz. Right. So it's you know, it's decent, right? This is decent. And as this story goes on, right, stuff happens at Bubble, stuff happens at school, stuff happens with Barney and these these Bebop Ron, you know? And I think they, they do really try and layer this story, right? And, and, and make it like those old school you know, cartoons and, and stuff, right, with the message in there, again, a bit like the Mitchells v. The World, or whatever the hell that one was called from last year, you know, so I believe that one was around social media, right, as well, and I, like, the, the social media side of it, I kind of think is not really, it wasn't really social media, it's more friendship, right? And that was the kind, that's the message in this. We, we get to look at friendship, the friendships that we make, the friendships we let slip, why we let those things slip, you know, what we could do to resurrect, 
And also is taking things to granted, right? Because when you look at this, you know, these B-bots were created to be the out-of-the-box friend, the out-of-the-box best friend, you know what I mean? Now, there's one poignant part of the film when Ron says to Barney, Barney, am I your friend? Right? I'm meant to be your best friend, but am I yours? Like, do you like me? You want me to like you, but do you like me? You know, and it's just like, yeah, because you know we we know this. There's often hierarchies in relationships. You know, like how many times have you seen one person go, "Oh yeah, 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 Claire's my best friend," and then Claire's like, and "Claire's like, oh okay," because um, I don't know what to say, right? Octavia is my best friend. You know, so it's just like, hmm. Or, like, you see it, groups of friends. You know, a lot of them will go do something and they won't invite one of the others because that's they see that person as a more peripheral. They're not in the inner circle. You know, we see it in relationships. One person might love, they love both love each other, but one might love a little bit deeper and harder than the other. Right or people are more willing to do certain things for some people, you know. It, it's all of this, and this is what um, Ron Gone Wrong tries to show you. Right, it, it tries to impart this message on to the viewer. And listen, it's a family fic, right? So I think that's decent. Right, that that's not a bad thing to do. It's not a bad thing to do because it is that thing where people and I mean people are like kids now, right? You they, you know, it, it's told you can do anything, and oh, people should like you because of this, and you can't not like someone. And oh, wait, uh, you don't like me because I'm black? You don't like me because I'm a girl? You don't like me? And sometimes it's just, oh, I just don't like you. Right? And and so it, 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 there's so much going on, and, and people are so worried about what's around them, but then what are you putting out there? You know, you want this reaction from people but what are you offering up? What are you putting on the table? And I think that's the big thing with Ron Gone Wrong. It's nice. The animation is good. You know, it, it's a decent story, people. It's a decent story. So it's um, 106 minutes. You know, so that's what, an hour and 46 minutes, right? Yeah, I believe. Yes. So, um, you know, it, it's not too crazy on the time. The time so a decent length. So here's the thing, right? So, listen, you might have um, seen it today as part of our 65th BFI London Film Festival. You know what I mean? 
Fizza, yeah, it was showing at the Royal Festival Hall, which does seem like a fitting kind of venue for a, a family flick like this. But if you weren't able to see it, fear not, people, fear not, because it will be available in cinemas, I believe. I believe in cinemas. Um, yes, in cinemas on the 15th of October in the UK. Right, and so that's next Friday, and in the States, you've got to wait just a, a little bit longer, a little bit longer, sorry, so it's Friday the 22nd, okay, so, um, is that right, is that 22nd of Friday, or is that a Wednesday, huh, uh, no, that is, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, that is, so, but yes, that you you have that look to look forward to, so you can see it then the fifteenth in the UK or the twenty second in the states, people. So uh, yeah, there you have it. Ron gone wrong. A new twentieth century um, animation, and yeah, decent people, decent. And I will say, listen, if you liked. Um, Cloudy with a sense of meatballs, something meatballs, right? If you like that, if you like the Mitchells v the world, the robots, the revolution, whatever the hell that title was, if you enjoyed those sort of things, right? Big Hero 6, if you like that kind of stuff, I think you will enjoy Ron Gone Wrong, okay? So, um, yeah, there you go. So uh, remember, check the information details for the dates and all of this. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next. Okay, people. So let us head to the Bronx for the new indie piece, which is Queen of Glory. All right, people. So, you know, 2020, the film festival was completely online, which, although weird, and it did, you know, halve the amount of films we got to see, it, it did allow you to see things at certain times, which you might normally, you might not normally have been able to have caught, right? And it was always interesting, how will this year change, right? Will everything be online and in person or what's going to happen well a, a few a good few of the films are being shown online right which, which is uh pretty good and one of those films was queen of glory so uh yeah i was like you know what i'm gonna check it out well to be honest I did think it was in person <laughs> so after coming out of Fuck. Wrong gone wrong, right? After coming out of that, I, uh, yeah, was all, all steady to stick around. And then uh, it was pointed out that this was online, which is good because that would have been, <laughs> that would have been a, uh, you know, unfortunate event <laughs> otherwise. So this is the new film from Nana Mensa. Right, she wrote and directed it. Um, now she, um, 
yeah, she's brought on a nice crew to help her out. So producing is Baf Akoto. Um, Anya Migdal, Kelsey Robbins, and Jamad Washington, Cooper Troxel, co-producers, um, Lids Ama Apa, executive producers, Akil Mum John Kim, line producers, and Lauren Lopes associate producers cinematography is Sybil Martin it is edited by Cooper Traxel uh, Austin Ashamal is um, on art direction yeah and it, obviously there's a lot of other people too many to uh, too many to list people too many to list but our cast right so uh as well as writing and directing, Mana also stars as Sarah Obu. Right, we then have um, Ob Oberon K. A. Ajapong as Godwin Obu, her dad. Um, we have got. Who else is up in here? Uh, it's always trying to do it in an order which would make sense, right? Uh, because, yeah, usually the way names and all of that are listed, it doesn't know, you know what I mean? It's never like the relationships of the characters on the screen. Which, uh, yeah, it's always an interesting one to me. I, don't, I, I, I never quite get why it, it, it's done that way. All right, so uh, Dan Muller is played by Ward Horton. And, uh, yeah, that's an interesting relationship. We have um, Catelyn, who's played by Madeline Weinstein. Um, have uh, Professor Santiago, um, who's one of her colleagues that she's played by Perva Betty, uh, Pitt, who works in the bookshop, is played by Miko, um. We have Anna Colon, who's played by Maria Cristina Olaveras. Um, doo -doo -doo. Oh, no, my bad. Dan, Dan is not connected to Sarah. Dan is her neighbor's husband. Yes. Um, now, his daughter is... Julia, played by Tarina Milo. Um, yeah, I'm just terrible. Emma, um, who's also a neighbor, played by Emma K. Uh, yeah. 
Tanya Malona, played by Anya Migdal. Um, that's about it. All right, we'll leave it at that. Um, now, the gist of the film is this. Sarah Obe has a perfect-ish life. She's studying for a PhD, and her married boyfriend has nearly broken things off with his wife. But when her mother suddenly dies, Sarah is shocked to discover that she's inherited her Christian bookshop. And she soon finds herself back in her childhood home in the Bronx. As Sarah struggles with funeral arrangements for both a white people funeral and a traditional Ghanaian ceremony and tries to get rid of the shop, she begins to reevaluate her life. In doing so, she regains a connection to her culture. So, yeah, this is an interesting little indie flip, right? There's, that's it. It, it. There's, and that, this isn't said with any disrespect or anything like that. There's no frills attached, right? You, you get this kind of gritty, hard-boiled kind of feeling look at this whole situation. Um, like, we open up with a woman dancing, right? Um, in, in Ghanaian dress, dancing two people behind her drumming. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's very colourful. We then kind of see a lot of fabrics and patterns, uh, you know, as, as it opens up with some flashes to kind of Sarah standing. And I, it, it's not a bad opening. You do wonder what it means, which does become clear later on in the film, okay? But, yeah, so we're with Sarah. We then see her packing bags. See her packing bags, but you, you know something... Like, I think, depending on your background, you know, you kind of have a gist of what's going down because the things that, just from the things that are getting packed, right? So, you know, it's not for a trip. This is for someone to take somewhere, right? Um, and so she goes to, uh, we see her traveling. She's on the subway. She turns up her house. It's her aunt's house. And, right, I think one of the thing, opening things her aunt says to her does give you a feel of the disconnect in the film. Like her aunt is, ah, oh, she pats her arm. It's like, ah, oh, you look like you've been eating. Right? Which is like, yeah, you look fat. <laughs> or, or bigger than you did the last time I saw you. It's not, it's not really a compliment. <laughs> it's not really a compliment. And then I was all like, um, how much does bag weigh? Because, yeah, if you're shipping it or taking it, you want to know because, you know, weight allowances and all of that. And she's like, oh, yeah, I didn't weigh it, but I mean, you should be fine. And then I was like, um, get on the scales and hold it. And we can work it out. And she's like, uh, I don't weigh myself. <laughs> and it's all it's all getting a little tense until a phone call comes and she gets the jet. So we see that happen. Um, but you you like because Sarah just seems very uncomfortable here, seems very uncomfortable. We then see her um 
at work, right? We see her rushing to work. She gets to work, having a phone call, right? Which is all a little heated. She's trying to sort some things out. Supposedly she's moving to Ohio. So we have her with this. Then her colleague turns up and her colleague is just, ugh, the workload, it's crazy. And they expect us to do all of this and mark and uh, there's not time and work. And the thing is, right, I don't know what, this, what Sarah's thinking, but she comes out with just like this quip, right? This quip that ain't necessarily necessary, right? Now, you're only saying this kind of shit if you don't really give a fuck about the other person, right? And, and it's just like, oh, okay, okay. It gives us a clue in who she is. Now, I mean, you would also say, you could also drop it to a close friend, but you get the kind of feel that they're not close friends, right? So we're seeing all of this. A comment is made about a dude who comes in, one of their work colleagues, and yeah, so things are moving, things are moving, we then see her, um, there's a, 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 a fafu with um, answering the door, but we, we see her with her boyfriend, right, who we then are like, oh, okay, okay, and Boy, like the whole boyfriend, you know where the whole boyfriend situation is going. You you definitely know where that is going, right? Because I mean, it says in the copy, right? She's she's dating a married dude, and listen, how are you expecting um someone to leave their partner? Right, leave their family. If someone's telling you they're leaving their family and they haven't left their family, they ain't leaving their family. <laughs> I, I think we have seen time and time and time again, right? It is written in the annals. <laughs> that shit don't happen, man. I, and I think like there's a lot of things and a lot of things undercurrents and stuff that isn't said here. You do get the feeling that she there's a lot of information she knows, but she's just she doesn't really want to face it, right? That that's the vibe that you get, you know, just from body language, the things she says, how she reacts, all of this. But you know, that that's all playing out. And then suddenly, boom. She gets a phone call. Her mum's dead. Had an aneurysm. And so that then forces a whole load of things on her. Right? Her dad's coming over. So she now has to, you know, look after her dad. Which, you know, you kind of feel they haven't seen each other for a while. Because the introduction, like they're, they're, they're meeting. Whoo! Super uncomfortable, right? Super uncomfortable. But we have this and hey, the gun, right? And I, I just think 
African, Caribbean, you know. I mean, uh, there's there's a certain age point where where the parents, <laughs> you know, look. If if anyone's from that background, you know, you know, right? It, it it's just the parents will talk in a certain way. They will talk in a certain way, and you get no respect, no respect at all. It's simple, right? So. We have this. He's in her house, but it's just like, you need to clean this. You need to do this. You need to wait on me. You need to. And it's just like, oh, and you know, it's grated. You know, it's grated. But we have all of this going on. She's arranging things. And I think one of the things that kind of really signifies her, you know, just. It's awkwardness around everything is when she first visits the butchers right first visits the butchers and like she does not like that <laughs> she does not like that you know what i mean uh so but i thought that really does show this this cultural shift this cultural awakening you know having to reimmerse yourself in this thing but yeah, we we see all of these things go down, and just the way she is around people, right? She's kind of standoffish, rude. But as the film goes on, oh, bear with me, people. My eye is like, ooh. But as it goes on, we see these barriers, these walls come down, right? I think it's the way we hear her talking. On what you know, especially what she wants, what's happening in Ohio and everything like that, it it just seems she isn't necessarily looking at what's best for her. But as the film goes on, we see her pivot slightly, right? And so these relationships with these different people, her neighbors, you know, um. You know, just like the the bookshore, but bookshop books. Oh, can't speak, motherfuckers. You know, in pit in the bookstore, right? We we see these things shift. Now, some of them take longer. You know, some of them don't, right? But but we see all of this happening, right? She doesn't necessarily want this bookstore. But I think she then starts to see the community that's there, right? There's a, definitely a judgment on Pitt when they first meet. Definitely a judgment on Pitt, right? Which does change. They It changes. But Pitt, it's funny, because Pitt ain't, Pitt's just straight talking, ain't giving a fuck, but still very respectful, right? Still super respectful, loved her mother because of the chances she gave him. But he will look if you fuck up, he'll tell you you're fucking up. But he will then still he's still respecting you, right? And we see all of this, so it's really interesting how all of this is folded together, right? And like you, you, you see. These, these different levels and layers of 
relationship and conversations and everything like that. And, and yeah, I it, it is super compelling. I did enjoy this film, right? It, it, it's very nice to see all of this, right? Even, you know, it, it's not action-based, right? It, it's not kind of set around this high-concept ideal or anything like that. It's just more of a slice of life. But it's a slice of life that's very interesting that maybe not everyone gets to see or has witnessed before, you know? And it, it just shows, like, different prejudices and viewpoints that can be changed, right? And the baggage we carry with us, right? I, I feel that's what this film contains. And it is, yeah, it's very good. The performances, right? We see these emotional journeys that Sarah is on, right? We, we we see that so clearly, so clearly. And I, I yeah, Mana really brings her to life, right? Just, oh man, the, the scene towards the end when she's dancing at the funeral, whoo, you know what I mean? That, like, words, no words. We're just watching her. And, yeah, you feel it. You really feel it, right? And then these, you know, interactions with Pitt, with her dad, you know, with the neighbor, it, 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 you just see it all. And, and it's all very impactful to Sarah and her evolution, her growth, her understanding, which then takes you to the end, right? And I think, although... You, you probably have a clue of how the ending will, like, coalesce. It's still a nice ending, right? And the way it ends, too. Because it's not, and blah, 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 blah. Or, but, it, you know, it just kind of happens. And you're like, yeah, no, 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 that feels right. That feels right, man. You know? So... So, 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 right? Now, this obviously aired today. Um, was at the Soho Curzon, which is very nice. Now, there are two screenings tomorrow. One is in person, one is online, right? So the in-person, that seems to be sold out at the moment. That's at the uh, Lux... West End, um, you know, the Odeon, that's the one in Leicester Square, right? The new Super Duper in Leicester Square. So that's there. That's at three o'clock tomorrow, Sunday, the 10th of October. But never fear, people, because you could watch it on the BFI player, right? Get to watch it on the BFI player. So it, the access is from... 2 o'clock tomorrow, 10th of October, and you get it until 2 the next day on the 11th of October, right? So, yeah, it's a 24-hour, you have, you know, 24 hours to watch the film if you get it on the iPlayer. But, yeah, you know, that's still available. But as always said, 
if you want to see it in the cinema, you know, always double check because, yeah, the, the there's often returns. Okay, so um, two showings tomorrow, one in person, one online. So I play a people, and yeah, I'd say give this a look, right? If you like your slower pace things, if you like things set in reality, dealing with real shit. Then I yeah, Queen of Glory is good. Now it's a play on. I think it could have been Princess of Glory, right? Because I think Sarah, we're seeing the come up, right? Or heiress to glory, but we're seeing a come up, right? But you know, might we could definitely say she ends with that queenship or that queenship in grasp. But yes. Queen of Glory, I dug it, I did dig it people, so uh, find out if you dig it too, so um, I will say there's no uh, official release as of yet, looks like it's doing the festival circuit, so uh, yes, tomorrow might be the only opportunity you get to see it for the time being, so yes, remember 2pm Sunday the 10th on the iPlayer, 3 p.m. at the Odeon Lux Leicester Square. All right, Queen of Glory people, do you? All right, people, one more to go. And uh, this one, oh, it's a doozy. It's the last or last, but it's a new film from Edgar Wright. Yes, 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 people. It is a last night in Soho. Okay, so people, 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 people. Last night in Soho, right? Last night in Soho. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what I don't even know what I'm allowed to say to be honest with you, right? So before the screening, they read out a note from Edgar Wright, right? Where, um, you know, he just asked Jet basically just to let the audience discover the film on their own, right? Which I think is fair, and I always try to avoid spoilers now sometimes i might incident like accidentally let something or allude something which might give you an idea but you know i'm not trying to tell you everything that happens and you'll notice when i do the interviews you know i might be and that thing at the end crazy right because i don't want to say oh and that person came back from the dead you're in and ruin it all so, yeah, I think it's a fair thing to ask, you know, because, and I think it needs to be said because, yeah, some people will just flap those gums, flap those gums. But, uh, yeah, but it does then offer a challenge, it does offer a challenge. But also, though, the film is so rich, there is a lot to talk about, right? So, uh, yeah. Last Night in Soho is the new film from Edgar Wright. And Edgar Wright, boy, he, he's directed a lot of stuff. 
a lot of stuff. Some of it, you know, I didn't dig, but it's always well received, right? Always well received. I think sometimes the things I don't dig in, a, why I don't dig a film, it's like some things, you know, bring me out of it. Like I have talked about my issues with uh, that zombie one. Ugh. God damn it. It was the first of those Cornetto films, right? Um, yeah. I can't figure what the fuck it was called, but, you know. But I, I loved Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim was so fucking good. And I enjoyed Baby Driver. You know, he, he's done a lot. I, I, and even the stuff I didn't necessarily fully dig, you, you could see the skill in the filmmaking, the skill in the process. And, you know what I mean? I, I cannot like something or quite, you know, mesh up with it, but still look at the art behind that shit. And Edgar Wright's skill is on full display with this. Oh, my days. It really is. So, yeah, he directed it. He's, you know, he came up with the story. He wrote the screenplay along with Christy Wilson Keynes. Um, He's also producing along with Nina Park, Tim Bevan, and Eric Vilner. Uh cinematography is Chong Hom Chong or Chung. I think it's Chung Hun Chong. Yeah, I apologies. Uh, it's edited by Paul Macalis. Music is Stephen Price. And uh, yo, the cast boy. It's got a fat, fat cast, people. It really does. So we have Tomzin McKenzie. She plays Eloise Turner. Uh, we have Anna Taylor-Joy as Sandy. Matt Smith is Jack. Terrence Stamp. Yeah, Terrence Stamp is in it. He plays a an older gentleman. Now, the, the thing, I thought Terry Stamp was dead. Right? No disrespect. I've, I just thought he was dead. So I'm looking at it and thinking, I recognize that dude. Who is that dude? I know that dude. And it was Terry Stamp. Right? We have Michael Ajo as uh, he plays John. A, uh, a classmate of Eloise's, right? Uh, Diana Riggs, yeah. I believe this is her last role, right? Diana Riggs, she plays Miss Collins, right? Eloise's landlady. We have Rita Chushingham as Peggy Turner, Eloise's grandmother. We have Jesse May Lee as Lara. Um, Sinov Carlson as Jacosta. 
right? They are um, class, also classmates of um, Eloise, yes. Um, also have uh, characters Charles and Ben, played by James and Oliver Phelps. Right, so uh, yes, that is that. And the g -g -g gist of the film, right? The gist of the feature is. Let me get to this. Dear, dear, dear. Um. Okay, for a sweet-natured 1960s obsessed Eloise, dreams really do come true when she gets accepted into fashion school in the bustling heart of London's West End. But big city life proves a rude awakening for this small-town girl, and when her rowdy student halls become too much for her to take, she rents a room in the attic of... The matricul mat matricul fuck it that will have to do matricul Miss Collins. Um, that night in her new bed, Eloise finds herself inexplicably. I know. I know. I don't. Just words. I don't know where they get lost. Somewhere, you know, between here and here, obviously. Right? She's inexplicably transported back to 1966 and into the body of an ambitious young singer named Sandy. But just as she starts to get used to her nocturnal time travels, Eloise slowly begins to uncover the terrifying reality of swinging 60s London. Now, so with this, right, I, I, I've heard about this film for a long last time, right? There's been word on, you know, Edgar Wright looking to make this film, I think, mean, like two years ago, maybe a little longer. So I was always very intrigued to what we would get. You know what I mean? Like, what, what, what's this going to be? What's this going to be? Now, I have to admit, I don't know where I got it from. I did think it was going to be a film noir. You know, uh, like a detective kind of tale. I thought it was going to be that. And I, I guess... You could say there are elements of that for sure. You know, but um hey, I will tell you this not disappointed, definitely not disappointed in what we get to see. Right, so it opens up. Right, we we have a a, 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 a small kind of white white box, white well, elongated and then a silhouette of a woman inside kind of dancing. And it pans out. And we, yeah, we've got a woman in a doorway dancing. And it's Eloise, right? She's in a bedroom and she's dancing around. She's wearing this 
kind of, you know, oldie, timey dress, which is her own. And she's doing that thing. Like, who are you wearing? Oh, I'm wearing Eloise Turner. Oh, uh, who are you wearing? I'm wearing Eloise. I'm wearing E.T. <laughs> so we get this, right? And uh yeah, she you know, she she's thinking about this. Like her her grand calls her, and we see her look into the mirror and see something, and we just like, huh. All right, okay, okay. So yeah, you know, she talks to her gran and um yeah, she's been accepted to art um, for like fashion school, right? Super excited. It's her dream. We then kind of discover that her mum has passed, and like she also had this dream, right? But it is funny because they live in Cornwall, right? Love Cornwall, very nice, good surf people, very good surf. But yeah, the way they talk about, it, I'd be like, oh, remember London's a big bad place. London will eat you up. Hey, London, oh, London. <laughs> which is amusing right because, and i guess you know you could look at it like that but i kind of think you you can look at most places and think yeah that, that could be fuck charisma that could be messy you know i i guess it depends on your background and all of this but we also find out that she may have fragile sensibilities, you know? So we see her travel to London. Her gran is just so proud and anxious and all of this, but we really see there's this loving bond there. You know, she's very, Eloise is also very quietly, softly spoken. Softly spoken? Oh, yeah, I'm going to fashion school. Oh, God, the wait. You know, along those lines. I mean, trust me, when you see the film, you'll think, fucking hell, he really nailed that accent. Yeah, people. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we have a go on. And you, you, she gets there. Her her roommate, Jacosta. Right? Jacosta. Now, she does have a surname, but she scratches it out on the door. And it's like, you know, Eloise is like, oh, so they didn't, did they misspell it? She's like, no, I just want to be one of these people that go by one name. <laughs> by the time I finish here, they'll know Hurricane Jacosta's been. And it's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, like anyone that gives themselves those cringy nicknames. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 no. You know those motherfuckers be like, I just speak the truth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, some people call me blunt, but I just, I don't lie. I speak. No, it's you're a cunt, right? Because, hey, there's diplomacy, diploma, diplomacy, diplomacy, right? You can be honest and not be an arsehole, right? Not say things that you know is going to hurt someone. You know what I mean? Like, if someone's, oh, did you love my play? Be like, you know what? 
you you were solid. You were solid. And then just leave it. Leave it. Now, if you then go on to be like, you were the best thing, you're incredible, this is incredible, this is going to win awards, you're an arsehole. Right? But you just, you know, you you keep it. Keep it like, you know what I mean? But yeah, Jocasta is one of these people. And it, 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 she always wants to be the center of attention, which is amusing amongst uh, some, you know, conversations that I had. We hear, oh, you're so brave. <laughs> Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Right? <laughs> and I'll leave the rest to you to discover. Vizier. Yeah, it makes you chuckle. It really does. Um, but, yeah, so we see all of this. But we then see this, you know, culture clash between Eloise and the rest of the students. Doesn't quite fit in. Like, And I think because her anxieties about going to London and the, you know, the fear of what may have happened to her mother and just all this other stuff. We do have her be kind of short to some people that are possibly trying to look out for her. But, yeah, we, we see all of this and it's just the whole freshers situation doesn't quite work for her. Oh, also, she has an interesting cab journey. An interesting cab journey, uh, which, yes, you, you will have to see. You will definitely have to see. Uh, but, yeah, the the the, uh, the, the student accommodation just ain't working. Ain't working. She's a fish out of water. So she's, you know, we, we see her as she's there. She sees kind of different notices rooms to rent, jobs and things like that, which she ignores at first. And then it's like, I need to take advantage of these things. So we see her go get this room, right? From Miss Collins. And that's where things really take a turn. They really take a turn. And people, 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 the way this film is laid, right? What right does with not just a story, right? There's a story you think it's one thing, but it definitely goes in directions that you possibly didn't think about, right? I, I, I do feel that there are assumptions of, but then when it finishes, you're like, oh. Okay, that's interesting. Huh, okay, so we have all of this, right? Uh, now, what am I saying? Yeah, it, it's a great story, but the way it's all woven together, right? So the the whole transportation bit, we have a go to bed, and she's in bed, and then she moves the cover and we see as she rolls over and kind of pulls the cover it it kind of unfolds unravels into a larger space than there should be right now and then that kind of flips and now she's standing in an alley 
right? And it's just like just the way this whole thing just like whew, takes you through. It's such a beautifully crafted scene. And we have loads of these, right? There's a lot of like reflection imagery that is part of a lot of these sequences that is done so well. And then especially when, let's say, the reflections don't mirror up, right? That makes it super interesting. You're like, oh, shit. Okay. Oh, what's happening here? Huh. So we have all of this, right? The 60s era London Soho. It is really just brought to life. You do feel like you're there, right? But not just because of the music or the clothes, right? It's just this atmosphere that's crafted. And we also just to see the unraveling of Eloise, right? And the transformation of this other kind of timeline, other sequence, as it were, the way those changes happen too. <sighs> oh, people. It's, it's all, there's a lot of subtleties there, right? And a lot of twists and second looks and everything like that, that just are building this super interesting piece, right? You're watching it and it's just like, oh, okay. Oh, shit, okay. Where are they taking us? This is, oh, all right, all right. And it's great. It is so good. The performances, jeez. So good. Like, so good. Because I think some of these characters really have to just sell these crazy looks to you. You know, make you believe some of these things that aren't necessarily clear straight away. Right? And it, and it's all there. It's all there. You know, to bring it to life. And then uh, there's a lot of flips. Right? Just one thing, one minute, boom. And the next is something else, right? It's ramped up. And you feel it. You believe it. You are really just brought into this situation. So you, you believe in certain characters so much that when the story takes you in certain directions, you are just like, boy, okay. Okay, what? Are you telling me? Seriously? Yeah, 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 people. It's all there. It's all there. So whereas this wasn't the hard-boiled noir, you know what I mean? Um, Raymond Chandler-esque piece, I thought it may be what I got was just mesmerizing. It really was. It, 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 it's such a great, it's a great story. It's an incredibly casted piece. Like, 
you're learning so much about these characters as everything moves on. And you're just like, oh, fuck. Really? Okay. And, and you, yeah, you, you are just, it is, it is definitely well worth the look, people. It's definitely well worth the look. And you could possibly, so it is showing at quarter past 11. That's in the morning, people. Don't worry. The Royal Festival Hall tomorrow, Sunday, the 10th of October. All right. Um, and then Friday the 15th at quarter to six, 5.45 at the Prince Charles Cinema. Now, as of right now, both of those screenings are sold out. But as I always mention, a returns on the day. So there's possibility if you go and you check at the booths and the box offices, you never know what's going to happen, right? You might get that opportunity, but if you do not, do not worry, because the film will be released in cinemas on the 29th of October. So, uh, yes, you know, you, you, you get to do that. And, uh, you know, Ed Edgar writes a letter to us. He said that they, they decided to push it back to uh, that time not just to enable the, the chance of seeing it in the cinema, but because the nights are longer, right? Clocks have gone back, or is it clocks have gone forward? Clocks have gone in the direction that lengthens the time. I forget which one that is, but they've done that thing, right? And, uh, yeah, and that makes sense with what this film is, right? I don't think you want to watch this midday on a summer, you know what I mean? On a summery weekend, it works better in the uh, in these autumn months. So uh, yeah, there you go, people. Edgar Wright and crew have really, really knocked this one out the park. It is mesmerizing. It is spectacular. It is last night in. Solo. Yo, so here we go. We're at the close of another day, another fun packed day at the BFI London Film Festival, people. And uh, yeah, we are whew, we are ready to go for more. And trust me, people, if you've enjoyed everything so far, hey, just more fun is on the docket. So we will be back tomorrow for day five. And, um, yeah, as I say, just keep track of everything, people. Go to the BFI's website, their social medias, because there's a lot of shit coming out for you to enjoy. So, uh, people... We will see you tomorrow. And, hey, if you like the sound of anything, go get those tickets ASAP. All right? Until then, peace. 
and we will see you tomorrow, people. Enjoy that film watching. All right.